0: Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you are about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. Well, today I'm going to be talking about, for the sake of the gospel, I will surrender. Now, I know this message is going to be one that most, it'll be difficult to hear because surrendering is not in our nature. We don't really like the act of surrendering um, we see surrender happened all throughout military, through wars, through this history of time, of, this, of life. And surrendering is not the greatest thing to happen, right? You know, it's kind of like you have to become this second tier person and say, I give everything that I have because I know that defeat is in front of me. And today, I want to encourage you that surrendering is not bad. It's not negative. Surrendering is probably the greatest thing that you will ever do when it comes to your relationship with God when it comes to your commitment to God. The word surrender means to yield to the power of. It means to give control or to yield control, to give possession, to yield possession. To surrender, to give up completely. To forego everything, especially in the favor of another. To give oneself up into the power of another. Man, how awesome does this sound? This sounds like our relationship with God. This sounds what happened when you gave your life to Jesus. You yielded your life to him. You know, you knew that you were sick, busted, and disgusted, and you said, God, I come to you because I need someone to heal my life. I need someone to take where I was broken to make me whole. I need someone to take me from where I was lost to be found. And so I yield my life to you, God. I came to you and I yielded to the power of God, to the spirit of God, to your word. I gave you complete and full control over my life. Everything that I once said was mine, that I thought was going to fulfill me, that I thought was going to satisfy me. No, it can't do that because only you can, God. So take possession of my life. This is what you decided to do when you came in relationship with God. When you chose, you made a decision in your heart that you were going to receive that sacrifice that was given for you and me today. You know, and there's many people in this world that have still yet to make that choice to follow after God, to surrender their life to God. They haven't given up completely, but there's still people within the church that believe in Jesus, that have confessed and called on his name to be saved, but they're still holding on to things. And those things that they're holding on is still muddying and distracting in them from seeing the full effect of God's promise and God's word within their life. That may be you today. You may be in a place where you say, I don't really see God's word working in my life. I'm not seeing the effect of it. You know, it's very hard for me. That could be because you haven't fully surrendered to God. That, be, that could be because you're still compromising in areas of your life. Because you are still allowing this sinful nature that has been freed by God, by the blood of Jesus, to rule you and dominate you. That might be because you have a lack of knowledge and understanding of what God has done in your life. But I want to remind you and encourage you today that you're not alone, but also there's an answer. There is a, there's been something that's been done for you, and Jesus' blood is that answer. That sacrifice that was made for me and you today 2,000 years ago is still working today. And you don't have to run anymore. You don't have to be in a place where you say, you know what? I don't know if I can do this anymore. I feel like giving up. I feel like quitting. I'm not good enough. You know, that's what sin will do. Sin will condemn you. Sin will beat you up. The things in this world, they can't satisfy. They can't fulfill you, but only one can, and that is Jesus. See, when I surrender my life, I'm showing the world the power and the intent of the gospel. I'm literally saying, guys, my friends, my family, people around me that I go to work with, look what the gospel can do. I'm telling you right now because it's worked in my life. It's showing the gospel. It's showing the power of it and the intent of it. But see, we got a lot of Christians that are not living according to what's been changed in their life. And because of that, people see that, that are unbelievers and say, what is the difference? I can't see it. Because you act just like me. You talk like me. You live like me. And this is where we got to get to a place where we're becoming full surrender to God. Because we are not like them. We are light. We are not dark. We are a city on a hill. How can you be a city on a hill that is shining, that is bright, when you're acting like everything else around you? And this comes from understanding that it comes from influence. It comes from what you're listening to, what you're feeding on. And today I want to encourage you out of James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And I'm going to read a few scriptures. And go to... Verse 6, verse 6, but it says, but he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, church, it says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That word proud means to resist God. You know, in his understanding, he resists the truths of God. In his will, he resists the truth of God. That's what proud means. It means to resist God. It means to resist the truths of God. How many times we find out within church that when it comes to his word, we like to pick and choose and try to make this, you know, things that we think will function right. And we put it in our life and it just causes a whole bunch of dysfunction in our lives. You know, we got, you know, this dysfunction within our life and we try to function as a man and woman of God, but it's tough. But the cool thing is and the great thing is that God has given you an answer. God has given you the solution in order to function correctly and properly within his kingdom. Amen. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. And it says that in his will, he resists the truth of God. In his will, what you do. You know, have you ever been in that part of your life? in your life, in, in your will, that you're resisting the truth, you know, because maybe it's not working according to what, how you want it to work. You know, Abraham could have got to that place and said, you know what, the word, it's, it's just not working. Your promise ain't working, God. I'm a, and he, you see him do it. He, he uses another woman, and he creates an Ishmael, you know, and we, we can do that within our life, and we can prematurely act against God's will, but that doesn't mean it's going to work, you know. I want to encourage you today to not resist God, to not be proud. That word humble means to be blessed and poor in spirit, to humble yourself, to have humility, to be in low spirit. We see in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. This isn't talking about being poor and when it comes to money and stuff. No, it's talking about being poor in your spirit, coming before God, recognizing that he is greater than you and you are the lesser one. You know, and that's not a, a, something that's bad or negative connotation, no. That means, God, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And I come to you. And I come under your lordship and under your authority, recognizing who you are within my life. And because of your holiness and righteousness, I am now holy and righteous. I am in right standing because of what you have done and what you have given me in this life. Come on, it's for this life today. In verse 7, it says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. That word submit in the Greek means to arrange under or to subordinate, to subject, to put in subjection, to subject yourself, to obey, to submit to one's control, to yield to one's admission or advice, to obey. So we're saying submit yourself to God. I surrender my life to God. I put myself. I subject myself to God's will. God, your will, not my will, be done. Isn't that what Jesus preached before he went to the cross? He said, "God, your will be done, not my will." You know, there could have been a moment, and I'm sure it was, where he said, "God, I really, I'd rather be here with them." I, you know, I don't want to do this. And there was in the garden, and he said, "You know, but not my will, but your will be done." You think about it, if Jesus wouldn't have given his life, <laughs> that would have been a really big different story for us, right? But God in his free will or Jesus in his free will gave his life for me and you today. He made that choice to say, not my will, but your will be done. And this is what it is when we come to a relationship with God. We surrender our life. You know, if we say for the sake of the gospel, I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to subject myself to your ways. Your ways are higher. You know, we say that the Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Well, what does that mean? That means his way is bigger than my way. His way is greater than my way. His way takes over my way. We say that he is the truth. Well, that means his truth is the truth. His truth is greater than my truths, It's greater than what I might perceive to be true or what I have experienced to be true. No, it's his truth. And then it says that he is the life. Well, that means his life is my life. I give up my life. For him, to serve him, to live out this life that he's called me to live unto. Amen? So Jesus is, yes, the way, the truth, and the life, but only when you actually put it into your life and you subject yourself unto that. He's the way, and He's the truth, and He's the life. Amen? Ephesians 1, chapter 22 says, And I, and have put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the heads, or gave Him to be the head over all things to the church. All things are under Jesus, under his feet. And it says that God gave him or gave Jesus to be the head over all things, the church. He is the head. He is the source. And everything is under him. And that word put means to submit. He has submitted all things under his feet. That's being you today. It says to submit to God. And then it says to resist the devil. Resist means To set oneself against. (laughs) It means to withstand. It means to oppose. It means to set against. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's tough to resist when you haven't submitted. There's a reason why God has said this to us, has spoken to us to this. And James wrote it this way. He didn't say resist the devil first, then submit. No, he said submit first, then resist. There's a protocol. There's a certain way that we have to do things. And then when you resist, you're setting yourself against The enemy. We see that in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Whereon take on the whole armor of God. And this is in verse 13. Take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You know, if this isn't setting yourself up against the enemy, I don't know what is. It's saying to stand and even having done all to stand. You know, we got a lot of Christians, we got a lot of people in the church that are constantly in a place of defeat that are victimized, they are allowing the things of this world to control them. Let me encourage you, believer. You have authority in Jesus. You don't have to continue to be defeated. You don't have to continue to allow the things of this world to dominate you. It really it just comes from rightly appropriating what God has done within your life. That's the blood of Jesus rightly appropriating within your life. It's subjecting yourself, submitting yourself, and resisting the devil. But a lot of times we don't want to because we like the joy of what this world has to offer. Because we get a momentary moment of joy and excitement. But what we don't know is that will affect us for the rest of our life, And what I mean by that, we'll go to Genesis chapter 25. There's a story in the Bible. There's two twin brothers, Jacob and Esau. And even in the womb, we see them having a little wrestle. We see that Jacob was grabbing on to the heel of Esau. And that's why he was named Jacob, which means trickster. It means scandalous. It means deceiver. And go to Genesis chapter 25 and we're going to start let's start in verse 27 now if you don't know this before this, before they were born God had promised that the older was going to serve the younger that Esau was going to serve Jacob and what does that mean? Well in this time there were birthrights and Esau wasn't going to get that birthright. God already promised it for Jacob, and in a moment we're about to see Esau actually fulfill this promise by giving away his birthright for a bowl of beans. And I want to encourage you right now, church: what you do in this moment, what you do momentarily, could affect you for the rest of your life. And I know that's hard for us as Christians because we, you know, we believe in the blood of Jesus redeems us and restores us, and it does. I promise you, it does. Thank God for His mercy. But what you can do in a moment could take years to be restored back. And I want to encourage you right now with this story. And it says in verse 27, When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. And while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents, it said that Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. In verse 29, it says, Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew or that bowl of beans or lentils, for I am exhausted. And therefore, his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. And so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau bread and a lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And it says, Thus Esau despised his birthright. We see Esau tired, and because of being exhausted, he sold his birthright to Jacob. In a moment of weakness, he gave up something that wouldn't affect him right in that moment. Because you see, it says, What use is a birthright to me? I'm going to die. So what he thought was only something for now, he gave it up, but really it affected his future. What is that birthright? Well, let me just give you a little bit of history about a birthright. The birthright was a double portion of the inheritance. He also became the head of the family and a spiritual leader upon the passing of the father. So basically in this case, the birthright determined who would inherit the covenant God made with Abraham. The covenant of land, of a nation, and the Messiah. We see that Esau said, I'm about to die. See, Esau's thought wasn't that he was hungry or that he would die without food, but instead it was the idea that he was going to die anyway, one day. So, what good is a birthright to me? We see Jacob say, Swear to me this day. And this is literally in character of what his name is. He is acting like that heel catcher. He was acting like a liar, like a scoundrel, or a rascal, and taking advantage of his brother. Jacob was guilty of scheming in the flesh against something God already said was his. You need to know this. That history shows that men prefer illusions to realities. They choose time rather than eternity. They take the pleasures of sin for a season rather than the joys of God forever. They will read and be, and do things that don't do any benefit to their body rather than the word of God. They would adhere to a system of priorities that leaves God out of their lives. Multitudes of men would spend more time shave, er, shaving than on their souls. Multitudes of women would give more minutes to their makeup, to the life of the eternal spirit. Men would sell their birthright for a bowl of beans. And what you do in a moment will affect you. We see that. After he sold him this birthright, well, the next thing he does is he gives him his blessing. Now we got Esau who is angered, is offended, is bitter, and now he wants to murder his brother. I don't know about you, but have you ever done something so stupid that you feel the condemnation of it? You feel the guilt of it, and it puts you in a place where you feel enslaved to it, and it's hard to break free from it? Well, this is where Esau was. He fell directly into the hands of Jacob, the manipulator, the deceiver. And how oftentimes do we do this within our life? We surrender our life to the things of this world. We see it happen in Genesis when Eve submitted herself to the enemy, to Satan, to the snake, to the serpent. And because of that, they lost, they were separated from God's presence. You know, we live in a time where people will sell their life for a bowl of beans. Where men and women will say, it's more worth to have this bowl and to wait on the promise of God, that to trust in his word. And this is because where we have surrendered to, we have surrendered to a system and a way of life that has caused us to be taken control of, to give the enemy an advantage over our life. You know, that word submit or surrender, sorry, it means also in military terms to relinquish control over territory, combatants, ships, everything all power i don't know if you read much history about wars and battles but we always know that there's a loser and there's a winner all right and let me tell you today you're not the loser in this story you're the winner you may have made some dumb mistakes you may have done some crazy stuff even things as a man and a woman of god but the mercy and the blood of jesus still works today I don't know about you, but I thank God every single day for what he has done for me. And I had to make a decision in my heart to repent and to turn away because we know that's what repent means. Repent means to turn. It means to turn away. We don't do it just in an act of tradition because that's what Christians do. No, we do it because it's in our heart. It's something that's sincere. You know, and I can tell you right now, if you would ask God right now for forgiveness and turn from what you're doing, instead of trying to play this game within this life, I can tell you right now, you'll experience the peace of God. You'll experience freedom of God. And not only will you have to use rightfully what's been given to you, which is his word, but no, today you can stand. See, in verse 8 of James 4, it says to draw nigh to God or draw near to God. That word means to bring near, and that's James chapter 4, verse 8. To bring near, to join with one thing to another, to come near. When you draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. You know, a lot of times we're not drawing close to God. You know, you can see right now, wherever you are within your life, is. Literally it's very easy to see why you're not experiencing the goodness of God and the best of God. It be it comes down to what are you doing every day? It comes down to what do you do in the morning. You know, are you preparing just for a normal day or are you preparing to battle? I know sometimes we think, like, is it really that serious? Yes, it is. Because this isn't a battle that's fought through flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle. And if you're not ready in the spirit, if you're not built up in the spirit, how are you going to do anything for God of greatness? You know, too many times we think about just life. You know, we think about making more money, having more stuff, you know, doing more. Which all that really, it doesn't do nothing. It doesn't add up to what God has done for us. It doesn't add up to this walk and to the surrender of God. You know, we have to come to a place where we fully surrender everything. We give it all up. You know, you got to understand that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Anyone that is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, this is who we are. You're children of God. We're a man and woman of God. We are in Christ. And when we take that place in Christ, It says, for you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. When we surrender our life to God, we are ultimately saying we worship you. In Genesis 25, again, we see that Esau gave up his birthright for a bowl of beans. What he did in a moment affected him for years. We see that after this time, Esau went away offended and bitter and wanting to murder his brother. Now, you go to Genesis chapter 33. Now, Jacob knows... (laughs) That his brother wants to kill him, and this is why his mother got him out of there before Esau could do what he wanted to do. Esau, what he didn't value in his life at the moment, took took great costs for his future. And that's why I'm going to tell you today, what you do right now, if it goes against God, if it goes against his word, if you commit things and compromise, what you do now, it could cost you a lot within your future. Because we know that the wages of sin is death. We think for some reason as Christians that doesn't, uh, it's not going to happen in our life. It will. You no, know, there's there's a law in place still. Thank God for the blood of Jesus again and his mercy. But when we don't rightly put that in our life and use it, you know, because this isn't necessarily just like a get out of jail free card. It's more so, God, because of what you've done, you've empowered me to live holy, to live righteous. A lot of times I think we, you know, we might think we're saved, but what does it mean to be saved? Well, we know saved means to love God. Well, what does it mean to love God? It means to obey. You know, it's not just something that we say or something that we do just for the sake of having it a banner over our head. No, it's saying, God, I give you my life. I commit to you. You know, I know this may sound hard-line, and this may sound like, well, that's not the God I serve, but the reality is it is. Now, you may have been led astray and maybe believe something differently. And if you believe that way, I pray that by the mercy of God you know, that you've experienced the goodness of God in your life. But a lot of times I feel like we forfeit it because of things and and ideas and preconceived ideas within our mind. But let me help you today. In Genesis 33, we see Jacob lifted up his eyes in verse 1. And behold, Esau was coming and 400 men. So Jacob's under the assumption that Esau still wants to kill him. But what we don't know, or what he doesn't know, sorry, Esau has actually forgiven his brother. Through the course of time, so at 15, Esau sold his birthright. And at 40 now, Esau sees his brother. Instead of wanting to kill him, instead of being offended and bitter at him, (laughs) he wants to embrace him. Esau got right in his heart. It doesn't necessarily say when it happened, but we know that he got right in his heart because instead of wanting to kill his brother... And what he did to him in past years, he, he got right because he wanted to embrace him. He wanted to love him and say, you know what? And it's, if you keep on reading, it says in verse 8, 33, 8, Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I met? And Jacob answered, To find favor in the sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. <laughs> keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight and accept my present from my hand, for I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. You know, Jacob was under this idea that Esau wanted to kill him, but he didn't. No, he forgave him. And, you know, and this is for me and you today. It's an act of surrendering. At one moment, Esau surrendered his life to God. He surrendered what he was offended about, what he wanted to murder Jacob for, and he surrendered himself, and he said, No. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to get right in my heart. And we have to do this same thing. It says in, to not, in uh, 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, it's hard to be a Christian and to love the things of this world. How can you love the things of this world and try to be a friend of God? You can't. It doesn't work. You know, in Luke chapter 15, we see the story of the prodigal son, and I'm not going to read all of it for the sake of time. We see that he makes decisions, and he leaves his father, and he blows all of his inheritance. He wastes everything, and he's in a pig pen. And how oftentimes are we in this place where, you know, because of the decisions we made and the surrendering our life to things of this world, that they end up costing a lot. And the prodigal son decides in his heart that he's going to go back to the father, and he's going to run to the father. And when he comes back thinking that his father's going to berate him and discipline him and have a whole bunch of consequences and everything for him. Instead, he doesn't. No, he puts a ring on his finger. He makes him a big feast. He loves him unconditionally. And how true is that with the father? It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In Ephesians chapter 2, 4-5, through 5, it says, but God, being rich in mercy... Because of his great or because of the great love that which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In James chapter 2, 13 it says, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is honestly is the God you serve, is a God of mercy. He loves you. God is wants you to succeed. God wants you to walk according to God. To him, to the kingdom of God, to your spirit, God has given you every answer, every avenue, every way for you to escape things of this world and not be a slave to it. In Matthew chapter five, verse sixteen, you know when we surrender to God, not only is it a witness to ourselves, but it's a witness to the people around us. And this is what the act of surrendering does and submitting to God—it shows people who we are. In Matthew five sixteen, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that it may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. <laughs> Think about that. How you live will be a light to others. How you surrender to God. We know that surrender is worshiping. We know that surrender is submitting oneself. It's literally waving that white flag like they do whenever it comes time to surrender to the other opposing force. You come to God and say, I surrender everything. I surrender all that I have. Everything that I try to hold on to, what I thought I had control over, what I thought was going to satisfy me, what I thought was going to fulfill me. No, I surrender it all to you, God, because I know and I recognize that you are supreme. And because of that, God, I give you everything. I've already lost this battle, so I come to you and surrender. I submit myself. I've been surrendering my life to the devil. I've been surrendering my life to the things of this world, and all I've received from it is a life of punishment, is a life of defeat, is a life where I've just experienced no satisfaction, no fulfillment. It's almost taken and costed my life. But God, I'm over. I'm done with it. I surrender my life to you. And when you do that, it's a witness to people. What do I mean by that? Well, I know stories of people, and I use my father a lot because I look up to my dad, and I just see the testimony of what God's done in his life. If he wouldn't have done what he did, I probably wouldn't be on this stage ministering to you today. But he made a decision to surrender his life to God, and because of that surrender, it affected his whole family. It affected a generation. I'm telling you right now, Esau, what he did negatively affected him negatively. But what we do right now, if we surrender our life to God right now in this moment, it will affect you for the rest of your life. What my dad did in 1996 affected his whole generation. It affected his kids. It's going to affect his kids' kids and their kids. It's going to continue on, and I believe that same promise is for you today. What you have surrendered to God, what you have given up for the sake of the gospel, is going to affect your family. It's going to affect their family, and that's in all aspects of life, whether it may be just within uh, not being uh, committed to sin and living a life full of sin and being dominated sin, or that means being blessed, whatever the, uh, the issues are. No, when you make that decision to surrender to God, it's going to perpetuate into the lives of your family members. It's going to continue to move forward. It says, "Let your light shine before others." This is the life of a Christian. We're a witness. As we surrender to God, and we can continue to live this life of surrender, people see it. You know, it says in Acts 22:15, "For you will be a witness for him to everyone who has seen and heard" Seen and heard, to me, sounds like two actions, seeing and heard. They can only see it and hear it. And how does that happen? That comes from us living it. That comes from us being like that light, being in that place of surrender. And they see this and they hear it. This is how the gospel gets out. For the sake of the gospel, will you surrender today? You know, this is not necessarily... This is more so an invitation for you today to surrender. And maybe say I've been surrendering. But I want to encourage you, maybe there's something that you need to surrender within your life that you're holding on to. You think that it's going to amount to something. You know, maybe it's just literally just surrendering an attitude, an offense, something that you're holding against somebody, something a grudge. Maybe it's not a sin issue, maybe like something like, like a weakness. Maybe it's just something within your life that has affected you for years and you've tried to hold on to it. Maybe it's like the Bible in James chapter 4 is talking about pride. Maybe you've got pride and you're proud. You know, well, we know that being proud literally opposes the truth of God. It opposes his will. It says to come to him humbly, humility. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, it says, You then, my child, being strengthened by that grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. You think about it, you're a witness for Jesus. You're a witness for the gospel. And as people are around you, they're going to see that. They're going to experience that. You know, we are living in a time right now where people need the gospel more than ever. And it's only going to come through me and you. You know, do we think that by default one day someone's going to say, oh, I want to go to church. You know, I want to give my life to God, and maybe there is stories like that, but the majority of the time, is going to come from someone preaching. It's going to be someone being bold enough and unashamed of the gospel to speak up, to live it within their life, to live it within their words, to live it within their family, to have this attitude. You know, if the attitude of Christians is constantly being broken, beaten, and, and defeated, I, I wouldn't want to be a Christian myself. You no, know, we have to understand that we are his workmanship. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ. We are new creatures. We are new creation we got to live start living according to his word and not to the world. We got to we got to consider that the world's way in the view of church isn't necessarily the right way. You know, they have tried to make it look like one thing. I don't know if you ever watch TV shows They, they make Christians and make church just look honestly uh, like a joke. It's because it's secular. Because the world doesn't understand. And how would they if they haven't been enlightened and haven't received and tasted and so we're allowing the world to dictate how the church should be. The reality is that's not true. Guys, we have to be spiritually on guard. We have to keep our heart ready. We have to be the voice that is talking to people about who Jesus is. We can't let something that's secular and let something of this world try to tell people what the church is and what God is. It just doesn't work because it's going to come out wrong. It's going to come out by default distorted from the truth and it's going to cause people to compromise and really not embrace the truth and know the truth we as christians today we get to live a life of surrender we get to live a life of surrendering to god i don't know about you but i know that when i make a decision in my heart every day to surrender my will to him i encounter him i experience him I see the benefit of His Word working my life, you know. And it's not like at that every season. Like, I mean, sometimes we think that we gotta always have this God moment in our life every single day. It's not like that. Sometimes you just need faith just to be married. <laughs> sometimes you just need faith to love people. Sometimes you just you just you you, you need that joy just to overcome what you gotta go through and, and and work. You know, it's not like every moment it has to be like you just your spirit is strong and you're you know it's not because we don't live by feeling and emotion sometimes it's just you know you feel like you're barely getting through and that's okay but your trust and your reliance is on God you're surrendering to him it's not every day where you feel like you're at Disney World and on a roller coaster I know I read this one time and I heard this from someone it's hard to be mad when you're on a jet ski I don't know about you if you've ever been on a jet ski try frowning and it ain't gonna work (laughs) a jet ski you're gonna have a lot of fun it's a lot of joy. It's the same way with God. It should, feel, it should feel like you're on a jet ski, even in the hard times, you know. And when it is tough, when there's challenges, what do we do? Well, we trust in God. We surrender more. We we get we understand that, God, my life is for you. And there's moments where it's tough. There's moments where it's a challenge. But, God, I thank you for your mercy. You're rich in your mercy. You're rich in your grace. God, I come to you boldly to this throne room, and I obtain mercy to help in time of need. God, I understand that I'm a new creation. I have a new nature. God, for some reason, I keep on living according to this old nature, and I'm living according to the flesh, and all I'm seeing is is just more flesh. Guys, let me tell you, when you surrender your life to God for the sake of the gospel, not only will you experience the benefit and see the effect of the gospel in your life, but also people around you will, your family will. Again, if my father and my mother never did what they did, I probably wouldn't be here today. And that probably is the same story for you. And if that is a testimony for you, you think about your kids. You think about where they're going to be because of what you do. You know, I know for me, my house, I'm going to train and raise my son up to love God. Even when it's difficult. Even when I know there's going to be challenges ahead. Because there's going to be influences. There's going to be things in this world that are going to try to grab his attention. But how... Much more should we be leading people in that way of Christ. You know, don't be ashamed today. Don't be shy, timid, because that's not Christian. You know, I've heard this before, that our life with Christ is supposed to be private. There's nothing private about your life, man or woman of God. No. It's literally public. You publicly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything we see about Jesus' ministry is public. Your life is a public testimony of what God has done It's not supposed to be made in private. Why do you think we come to the house of God? It's showing publicly who we are. Why do you think we get water baptized? It's publicly declaring what God has changed within us. This isn't private. This is public. And it's for the sake of people seeing God and experiencing God. It's for the sake of the gospel to be made effect within their life, have effect within their life. My prayer today for you is to not be like Esau and to waste years because of a momentary sin or a momentary weakness, you know, he thought in that moment, I didn't need this birthright. I need food over this birthright. Don't be like that. Make a decision, you know what? I'm not going to compromise just because it's going to be a quick fix. I'm not going to settle. I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to trust in God. And maybe that's the word for you today, is there's things and decisions for you to make Don't make too quick of a decision. Don't make it so haste of it. Be patient. Slow down. Pray. Trust in God. And I feel that in my spirit. Trust in God. Be slow. The Bible says to be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. Quick to listen. You know, trust in God with your whole heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways. And he will what? He will direct your paths. This is the God we serve. It's a joy to know that where there's no answers found in this world and the things of this world, He has the answers. And I know at times it doesn't feel like it, but if you continue to trust on and hold on to His Word, you will see it work in your life. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, Go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.